When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Judd with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Nobody likes to hear it. They're young, they're inexperienced. Uh, I don't know if anyone on this team besides Michael Hurd has been in this building. Uh, you know, So it's just a matter of uh, getting comfortable and, and, and learning from those things and growing. Uh, and being able to make the play or make the stop when you need to. And again, you know, I mean, we've, we've been right there. We're just not doing that. Let me see the elephant in the room is Daniel. And, you know, if you were to tell me with playing a lot of freshmen, sophomores, and, you know, really two seniors, one junior, right? Um, yeah, I'd be really excited. But I also know that, you know, I care about Daniel. And, um, you know, we're not going to hold guys back either. So if that does happen, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll develop the other guys. Or, in the spring and go from there. Welcome in, Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. We got a lot to get into today. Some sage football wisdom in about 30 minutes from now. An interesting potential tug of war inside the Vikings organization in 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes from right now. And uh, reckless speculation as always throughout the show. But you just heard from Richard Patino. Last night, the Gopher basketball team loses. At Indiana, 72 to 67. They've now lost six of seven games. They've lost eight of 10 games. We could keep going back. Uh, they are 13 and 16 on the season. The NCAA tournament only happens if they win the Big Ten tournament at this point. The NIT only happens potentially if they go on a little bit of a run here to end the season. And Judd, I'm going to throw the ball over to you here. Okay. I'm going to bounce pass it into your court because short bounce pass or long. Because the long one's tough, a short one's... No, it's going to be one of those unnecessary in-traffic bounce passes oh. that gets stolen oh, wow. late like in the, the game. Like one of the wraparound ones where like, the guy tries to put the spin on it and weave it through traffic? Like the Gophers attempt late <laughs> in games all the time and uh, and wind up turning the ball over. <laughs> Yet again, we're sitting here and and the Gophers, just a few weeks ago, the Gophers pulled off a big win over Wisconsin, yeah. and it looked like they were heading yeah. in the right direction. And now if you look at the standings in the Big Ten, Wisconsin is once again 13-6, and six, tied for the conference lead, 20-10 and 10 on the season. The I don't Gophers, know how he does that. I don't know how they do that over there. The Gophers are third from the bottom at 7-12, and 12, ahead of yeah. just Nebraska and Northwestern, and 13-16 and 16 on the season. So let's pick up there. So it was uh, February 5th at the barn, and around that time, Greg Gard brought the Badgers here, and there was a player they had who basically um, went off of the program and transferred. I think he's going to end up at Nebraska, and I believe they fired around that time or um, dismissed the strength and conditioning coach. So the Badgers were a mess. And there was talk 
I remember around the time of that game, was Greg Gard going to make it in Wisconsin? Things weren't going well. It was off the tracks. And the golfers who rarely beat the Badgers in the last, basically in the Patino era, I think they beat them year one in the Patino era and hadn't won since at the barn. They beat the Badgers that night 70 to 52. Okay. Yep. They stopped them. It was, it's actually. I'd have to go back and look, but it's one of the most decisive wins over Wisconsin basketball I can remember in my life watching the Gophers, All or at right. least the last 25 years. So that loss dropped at the time, as we said, the Badgers to 6-6 six and six in the conference. So the Badgers are 500. The Gophers look great in that game. Let's fast forward to last night, because while the Gophers were again melting down and or just simply losing in the second half of a game that was winnable, Wisconsin beat Northwestern, which is terrible, and is now 7-0 since the Gophers lost. They are now 13-6 and six in the conference, and they can now on Saturday, they play at Assembly Hall like the Gophers did last night. Mm-hmm. They can win the Big Ten title, a, t- a tie. They can tie for the Big Ten title, all right? This team that on February 5th got blown out here. Since the Gophers beat Wisconsin that day, in the same comparable amount of games, Wisconsin 7-0, and Gophers 1-6 and in that time. And Man. we talked about this on Ventline today, and I threw the question out, and I said to the listeners, who are you, as a Minnesota sports fan, most jealous of? And we got some Packers, quarterbacks, of course. We got some Yankees. Yes, they're frustrating. But as I told Declan, they're the Yankees. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you might not like it, and you might want to point your finger at the poll ads and accuse them of being negligent, but the Yankees can do more than you. They just can. Doesn't mean that sometimes you're not going to pop up and beat them, but you can justify why the big, bad Yankees kick your butt sometimes. Or, in the Twins' case, a lot of the time. Let me give you, and Phil, I think going back to the old uh, Mackie and Judge show, we went through this as well. But let me give you some of the history since 2000 on Gophers, Badgers, and football and basketball. And then ask a very simple question, which I think makes this very different than the Yankees and Twins. Since 2000, the Wisconsin Badgers in men's basketball have been to the NCAA tournament 18 times in 19 seasons. That's going to become 19 and 20 in a couple of weeks. That's uh, that's several more than the Gophers in their oh. program history. <laughs> they have history. The Wisconsin Badgers in that run. So I'm just going in the last 20 years, all right? I'm not even going back to the 90s. In that time, they have gotten past the second round nine times, so at least to a sweet 16 nine times. They've been to two Final Fours in that time, since 2000, and been a national runner-up once. Since 2000, the Gophers have been to the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament six times and gotten past the second round once, and they were so excited by that event that Norwood Teague turned around shortly thereafter and fired head coach Tubby Smith. That's your only time past the second round, and it got a coach fired. In football. Dude, I'm... I need a drink. In football. <laughs> no, no, but you're no, but I don't go get a drink because you're you're gonna answer a question from me. I want an answer from both of you to a question. Yeah, I don't I don't have an answer, man. I already know where you're going, and I'm telling you I don't really have an answer I need probably. A, I need a claw. Since two thousand watermelon claw? Grapefruit claw. Minnesota Minnesota uh sports ineptitude brought to you by White Claw. Since two thousand, Wisconsin has been to four Rose Bowls and have been to nineteen bowls in twenty years, which, okay, the bowl thing is you go to a bowl now. But still, I said four Rose Bowls. That's your goal here, I think. Since 2000, the Gophers have been to 15 bowl games in the same 20-year period, but going back to our conversation during the football season, no Rose Bowl since the night since the end of the 1961 season. Okay, when it comes to and not to sound sexist here, but I'm going to say when it comes to the two sports 
that the national media and TV treasure most. Men's basketball, and, and I'm a hockey guy, okay? Yeah, that's So, fair. so that's I fair. like hockey, but I'm not going to lie. Hmm. The two sports that everyone wants to show and will pay millions, if not billions of dollars, mm-hmm. is football and men's basketball, right? Yep. Those are your two sports. Can anybody on God's green earth give me a reason why what I just read is possible when Madison, Wisconsin is a fun college town? It's It's overrated. But and that's fine too. No, it's not. You got I, an, I lived there for two years. I think it's, it's great. It's great. You get an Ian's pizza. Congratulations! You put macaroni and cheese yeah, on pizza, and a bunch of people walk it's around. It's not. Bomb. It's not the Twin Cities from a culinary standpoint. No doubt about that. But if you're if you're just here for a good time and not a long time, Madison is a good. Maybe, place I don't to know. Be. Maybe I'm bitter because like in 2005, my friends and I went and dressed up and just wanted to walk around in costumes and have you a couple a beers, and we literally got maced by the riot police. Okay. Let's. Oh yeah, you can't. It's do Madison, it. Wisconsin. Wait, yeah. Okay. What do we really need? What riot happened? police over Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Ha- you don't screw around there, man. Okay. Halloween is not a. They no. really. That's a. That's uh, overcompensation. Halloween okay? used to be so great in Madison, and they really have ruined it. They really have. Like it was just. It was. I mean, yes. Well, they got were, out of hand. The students got were, out of hand, yeah. and the cops went. Nuts. I mean, fights would break out, vandalism, whatever. Yeah. Anytime large groups of young drunk people get yeah. together, you can light some things on fire. But like ninety five percent of their lives, ninety five percent of the kids there were having harmless drunk fun. Harmless drunk fun, and they got to crack down on, yeah, the 1% on everybody. That's ridiculous. They got to crack down on everybody because of that five percent. Yeah, like, like there's one fun thing to do in Wisconsin, and it's party on Halloween in Madison. And even that. <laughs> Even that. You know what the problem there is? It's the one city in that entire state that's too nice for that. Like, they're actually upscale compared to the rest they of them. They are, yeah. A little classier in Madison. They are, seriously. Yeah, you can't in light Green, things on fire in, in the Green the Bay, street. you could burn the whole yeah. city down as long as you leave Lambeau alone. They're fine with Dude, that. I was there like five straight years on Halloween when it was still Halloween in Madison. And my God, my God, there is just nothing like it. It's aggressive. I digress, but, though. But back to my point, can somebody... So, the Yankees and Twins... We might hate the Yankees, but I can explain that one. I get that one. If a player chooses to go, an NBA player chooses to sign with the Lakers and not the Wolves, all right, I might not like it. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. How do you explain this? How do you explain this? It's embarrassing, for one, as someone who... uh... As someone who is a golden gopher at heart, who spent four years going to, to college there, like it is, I have spent my entire adult life looking up at the Badgers in men's basketball and in college football. And even when the Gophers are pretty good in both sports, the Badgers are always a rung above. College basketball, okay? Unless I'm wrong on this, I just comb through it here. The last time the Gophers finished above the Badgers in the Big Ten standings, 1998. 1998? Are you serious? Like, that is, that right there, forget about NCAA tournament appearances and all these other ways we can measure the program. And and by the way, football, you're not far behind. Even in football this season, and there's not a lot of things to criticize Go for Football for right now because that program is hot, it's on the rise, yeah. and P.J. Fleck is one of the 10 or 15 best college football coaches in the country. And even with all of that, of course, you get your ass kicked at home, at home on national TV by the Wisconsin Badgers. You know, and I get that they, you know, they just returned the favor for what happened a couple of years ago. And it is kind of back and forth now in football. But as far as the basketball program goes, there's nothing out, outside of, I would say, outside of the facilities maybe being equal now. Like you would, you would well, say I the, think the Gophers have, have jumped them now, don't and you? Maybe now? they have. I've never been inside the Badgers facilities, but the Badgers had better facilities for a while. Now the Gophers have built their facilities. Location is better. 
recruiting is more fertile. Your state in has better. Yes, exactly. It is a joke and an embarrassment that Wisconsin continues to be in football and basketball a notch above the Gophers. Like it, it's terrible. And in a year that you kicked the Badgers' butt at home on your home floor, good for you. That's fantastic. And they look to be a mess. Now they're going to have a chance to tie for the conference title this weekend, and you are probably not going to make the NIT. Yeah. By the way, in 1998, okay, I just pulled this up. The last time the Gophers finished above the Badgers in the Big Ten standings in basketball was 1998, and the Gophers, the Gophers were six and ten in the conference that season. They actually went on and they won the NIT. That was the year that so that, that was that was the year after the Final Four appearance. They went and they won the NIT. Uh, in Madison Square Garden, and then the next year is when they all pop the sections back, came out. Pop back up so even in the year where they finished above the Badgers, it took it took an absolute tank. So the Badgers were just the Badgers. Badgers were just terrible. So I mean, I don't know. It's um, it's really it's really frustrating, and I don't I don't see any path for basketball right now where they are going to be in front of the Badgers in the next two or three years, especially if Daniel Oturu leaves. He's one of the best big men in the country, and people are saying he might be a lottery pick. You want me to tell you how this happens, Fred? How's that? You're not going to like this answer. Okay. Pure dumb luck. And let me explain why. Mm-hmm. So with the football team, Paul Christ, Madison guy, through and through, born there, grew up there, played football there, and he's a really good football coach, and he doesn't want to go anywhere else but Madison. He wants to be the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers as long as they'll let him be the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. So... They got their guy. They got a really good head coach who's not looking to go anywhere. So they have sustained success, a sustained culture, and a sustained system in place that works to a certain level. Same thing with Greg Gard. Same thing with Bo Ryan before him. Wisconsin guys, lifelong Wisconsin guys, who all they ever wanted was to be Badgers. And they're really good coaches who know how to put in really good systems and really good culture that leads to sustained success. Who's that guy for the Gophers? Who's that dude who's a real good coach or even a good program director who can come in, or excuse me, uh, athletic, director? athletic director who can come in and set a tone, set a culture, set a system, and isn't looking to go anywhere else? That's his dream job. He's a Gopher. He's always wanted to be a Gopher. But going back a long, long time, the Wisconsin Badger Athletic Department not hockey, but basketball and football for sure, in the late 80s was a complete mess. And and I, I believe that's when they got Donna Shillelagh in as the president of the school, and she hired Alvarez, and Barry did come in and set a culture and tone that started to change things, and that's what's never, until now at least, that's where the Gophers went from being about the same as Wisconsin and certainly better in basketball to falling behind in both. But Rami actually brings up a really good point here, and that if you go look at the way that Let's take Bo Ryan. Let's go. Let's let's start with Dick Bennett. Let's go back to Dick Bennett into Bo Ryan, and because this whole thing started with Dick Bennett in the late 1990s, uh, from Dick Bennett to Bo Ryan to Greg Gard, the Wisconsin Badgers have been very diligent about. We need someone who is ingrained in the state and mm-hmm. someone who can speak the same language of any parent or any 17 year old kid or any junior college kid, and maybe even speak the language of like. Minnesota, Iowa a little bit because they're just ingrained in the area. So Dick Bennett was a legendary coach. Uh, I think it was Division 2, maybe 3, Stevens Point, Wisconsin in the late 70s, early yep. 80s. Yep. And he coached at Wisconsin Stevens Point 
for a decade and was one of the best non-top Division One A college coaches in the country. So he, in the region, though, then he coaches Green Bay for ten years. Mm-hmm. So now he's co- again he's like moving up the ladder, but he's been in the state for twenty years and making a name for himself. And then he gets the job at Wisconsin from nineteen ninety five until the early two thousand. But he had spent twenty years ingrained in the lower levels of college basketball in Wisconsin. Uh, I believe he also I believe he also coached high school basketball for like ten or fifteen years. And I or believe more. Bo was a Division two coach as well in, in Wisconsin. Yep. But Wisconsin Platteville for fifteen years. Like they picked these guys. This is not a resume or a blueprint that would work almost anywhere else. Sure, but you still look at the. Um, the two sports side by side, basketball and football, and say, "There's nothing holding you back from being capable of being very successful." To Minnesota, but is the thing that's holding them back, and this is where I'll look at Richard Pitino here. And I have been a huge Pitino supporter for yep. seven years, and I think that dude's like 37 years old. He's going to have a great career for 20 or 25 years, whether it's here or somewhere else. But if you went down the Wisconsin path and said, "All right, let's say this Gophers job opens up, and you're looking for the next guy." Who is the guy that can come in here that has 10 or 15 or 20 years, however that looks like, of Minnesota roots that can really build that trust with the community, with coaches, Mm -hmm. high school players? I mean, that that is a huge part of the reason why Wisconsin, I think, is so great at just bringing in the borders and making sure that they get those players, even from Minnesota, they get the culture. And they have self-awareness as a program in terms of what kind of guys they can actually go out and recruit successfully. And they go out and find guys who aren't four- and five-star recruits coming out of high school, but they know that's a guy who fits what we do in terms of culture, in terms of how we play the game. That's a guy who fits what we do, and we can bring him in, and we can get the most out of him. That's that's what they've been really good at for a long, long time, having self-awareness of who you can recruit, who you can't recruit, and getting the most out of the guys who you can get to your school. That's what Wisconsin has always done well. You would just like to finally see a day and age where the program here can thrive based on, on those things. So perhaps football is turning a corner definitely now. I don't know. It looks like it is where you can thrive like they do because it's certain, this, is not, this is not explainable completely to me. You know, again, somebody doesn't play for the Wolves, get that. Again, the Yankees go and get two more starting pitchers. You don't. I get that. Don't like it. I I get that. Uh, The second point off the sound bites that you played to open the show, Phil, that I find to be very interesting is that came in the same press conference last night after the Gophers lost to the Hoosiers. And the first is Patino's gone to the, we're a really young card. We're a really young team, and we don't have the experience, and because of that. And guys are going to get more experience, and it's going to be better. And then what's funny is the second song, but you played same press conference. He turns around and says, basically says, Oturo's probably gone, too. Oturo's a sophomore. So basically what you're telling me is you're too young now, and your players are going to get experience, but the best of those players probably is not coming back. Yeah, it's a tough spot, man. So how are we to expect an uptick next season when the players, when the most key guy who's going to get that experience and should be a junior is probably going to bolt? The reality is, if he bolts, there really can't be an uptick unless unless you know a couple other guys make a jump that you're not expecting, or a couple freshmen are able to take the mantle. The reality is, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, if you have thoughts on Wisconsin's dominance in basketball and football over the Gophers over the past 20-plus years, 651-646-8255, what's the solution? What's the solution in basketball? I told you guys this before, shortly after I got here, but my entire time 
in Wisconsin. Whenever we would talk about Wisconsin sports, it was, why can't we be Ohio State? Why can't we be Michigan? And then I get here and you guys are like, why can't we be Wisconsin? It's, it's, it's pathetic, but it's true. It is pathetic, but it is true. Yeah, and it's definitely true. And it's frustrating to watch because, again, it's not explainable to me. 651-646-8255. You can always tweet at us. We always check Twitter during the show. At Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. Sage Rosenfels in about 10 minutes from now for some Sage football wisdom. But our guy, Matthew Collar, host of Purple Daily, 2 to 4 o'clock weekdays, on Score North, he wrote a really interesting article By on scorenorth.com. Special treat for Purple Daily listeners. If you missed it, I was there for the first half hour today. You can go and listen oh, to it. Oh, downloads are going to double Scorenorth.com, Scorenorth app, totally free. More Rami, totally free. Go downloads doubled today. Go get it. So he wrote a really interesting piece about a dynamic brewing within the Vikings organization. I'm just going to read this and get your reactions, okay? He was in uh, Indianapolis last week for the NFL Combine. Multiple sources in Indianapolis said Mike Zimmer's pushback against some uses of analytics is a point of contention within the organization. At the podium, Zimmer more or less laid it out. The front office is among the most progressive in the NFL, and he sees the role of numbers as less useful than the front office does. One person with knowledge of the Vikings' analytics usage said they are in the upper tier of teams using data to evaluate players, especially at the NFL draft. Rick Spielman has gone into detail in the past about how the team uses combine scores to clone players. One example would be the number of late-round defensive ends who are tall with long arms and strong three-cone drill scores that the Vikings have picked over the last number of years. I mean, Daniil Hunter fits into this perfectly, and they uncovered him, and he's that dude's going to be in the Hall of Fame probably someday. But when it comes to advice on the coaching side, the analytics department's advice is falling on deaf ears more often, sources said. As it pertains to fourth down calls, there seems to be an ongoing battle between the numbers and coaching philosophy. Zimmer's fourth down decisions have also largely been good by the data. Even a call to go for it against Washington last year that Zimmer called his worst decision in which the Vikings failed on fourth and one was a statistically defensible call. Uh, there's much more to this if you want to read the full article at scorenorth.com. But how do you guys feel that it sounds like the front office is sort of forward thinking, maybe one of the top five or six teams in terms of the information they're gathering and how they want to implement it. And the coaching staff led by Mike Zimmer is kind of saying, that's great and all. I'm going to go by my gut. My question is, if that's how Mike Zimmer handles it, and I know analytics does more than just feed him Info for game situations like the one you just had there. They're involved in scouting and the draft and everything else. But, like, how many analytics guys do you need to employ? Can you cut back on the analytics department if Mike Zimmer is just going to choose to not use it they're, in those game situations? Wait, you're saying the solution, they the solution were, is saying, to just I'm bail saying, on analytics? I'm saying it's just a waste of money. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, pick, pick a path. You know what I mean? You're either an analytics-centered and driven team or you're old-school going to go with my gut instinct and trends but they've team. Got, like, it's they've it's got one a lot or the of, other. They've got a lot of people in that franchise that really trend in the opposite direction of the coach. And this might be a reason why we continue not to hear that if Mike got an extension or not, because it is weird. If you extended Mike and Rick, I think you would just come out. And we're now past the point last year where we heard that they'd both given an extra year on their contracts. I find this to be very intriguing. And, Phil, I think the most intriguing part to me of what Collar wrote, um, it's not necessarily the documentation. It's the quote that he uses first from Zimmer at the Combine. And... I'll ask you this from your baseball years of covering the Twins. 
Did you ever hear Gardy take sort of a sideways shot? Because Mike takes a shot at Rick, well, that, but that wasn't serious. Like, I don't think this is... Uh, I was kidding around with, well, in your case, Terry Ryan, but in this case, Rick Spielman, and we were yucking it up over a bottle of wine, and I was joking, your analytics stink. Right. Well, the, the, the only apples to oranges there is Ron Gardenhire and Mike Zimmer have a lot in common. Yes. The difference is one one of their bosses didn't really care about analytics either, which is Terry sure. Ryan. Terry Ryan once famously on this radio station, I think to you and me, I know I was the I subject of it. Just you. He said, uh, "We do have analytics guys. They're the yeah, twenty-five scouts we employ, yeah. Mackie." So I just think it's—I think it's very interesting. The caller documented this by starting with what is definitely a sideways shot at something that Rick Spielman and his staff, I think, value a lot. And I don't think you can dismiss that as just a fun thing. Well, I, my general thought on this is: anytime you're given information that can help you make better decisions or help you put together better schemes or help you win games, if you're dismissing that information, that's not the best way to go as a coach. And Mike Zimmer specifically in this in this article, scorenot.com, references fourth and five. He said, you know, you know, these all these people want you to go for it on fourth and five, but those people don't get fired. I do. Right. But if your front office is telling you, here is information that says not only should you go for it on fourth and five, you won't get fired. You'll be praised for it. Right. And I think we've. I think ten years ago, when Bill Belichick, in a game against the Indianapolis Colts, went for it on like fourth and a yard and a half or fourth and two from his own twenty-five or thirty-yard line, and whiffed on it, and the Colts got the ball back and they went in for a game-winning score. Bill Belichick made the right decision that is now much more, I think, lauded and praised because we have all this information that says, "Hey, you should be more aggressive on fourth down." There's a couple teams in the NFL here. Philadelphia and Baltimore each went for it 24 times on fourth down in 2019. The Vikings went for it 15 times, so about half as many times. And the reason why Baltimore and Philadelphia can go for it 24 times on fourth down now compared to 10 years ago is because it's much more widely accepted that that's the right way to go about winning. So why do you still think, this is my criticism of Mike Zimmer, and he's been largely a really good coach, Mm -hmm. but why do you think that there'd be more pressure on you and that you might get fired for going for it in fourth down situations that are widely lauded and strategically accepted right. in 2000 because you're because that that is the era that you, that you're from it's just like in Gardy's time Terry gets the players and I make the lineup card I draw it up that's my job right think think about baseball probably is at the forefront of this but every sport the wolves every sport now has front office analytic departments that are married to their coaches, very much so, way more. Thad Levine and Derek Falvey and their departments help decide who's going to play for the Twins every day now. Rocco Baldelli doesn't sit downstairs at Target Field and put pen to paper and be like, this is my lineup card, get out, right? So that whole thing's changed. Now, in Zim's world, he still thinks to himself, well, if I screw up, I get fired, which is the old way to think. But shifting to 2020... When you employ entire departments that come to you and say, not only here's what you should do on fourth and five, you guys, but also here's how you should practice, and here's who shouldn't practice. And you're thinking, but I'm old school football guy. What's what's going on here? So I think in Mike's case, he is losing control that he's not used to losing, but what actually would keep him employed is to accept the fact he's losing that control. Things have just changed. They're no longer the same. There used to be clear... Um, lines of, this is my job, this is your job, this is your job, this is my job. 
Those lines now are blurred. Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders probably talk five times a day about what the Wolves' makeup on the floor is going to look like. Yeah. Tibbs talked to himself about that. I have an idea, guys. So we recently found out, and no, I'm not going political, just stay with us here for a second, that the former White House doctor, to get more vegetables into the president's diet, started sneaking cauliflower into his mashed potatoes. Sneaking? Yes. How do we sneak analytics into Mike Zimmer's game planning? How do we, how do we, what's the mashed potatoes that you put the analytics in for Mike Zimmer? Is it possible that we could somehow make Mike Zimmer think that fourth and five is really fourth and inches? Like, how can we? There's got to be a way that you can trick him into thinking analytics is just like the trend or the gut or whatever it is that he's going with. There's got to be a way. Let's get rid of the word analytics because it's just a weird, scary word for some reason. Absolutely. How about replacing the word analytics with information that can help you make decisions better to win football that games. That doesn't work for a Mike Zimmer type. Information. I think you've got to infiltrate his uh, play card sheets somehow with information that he does not expect to see, but then says, oh, this looks good. I mean, I... we got to find the mashed potatoes to sneak the cauliflower in. That's what I'm getting at here. I don't know exactly how you do it, but there's got to be a way <laughs> into tricking Mike Zimmer to think that analytics are something good, something that they're not... Actually, it's well, not. It's not a vegetable. It's mashed potatoes. Let's talk to a guy when we come back here who likes cauliflower and mashed potatoes. I don't know if you put some together or if he does the cauliflower. It's actually mash. kind of a smart way to make mashed potatoes a little bit lighter. It's healthier. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Had it before for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the cauliflower fried rice is very good too. And later on, we'll take. We've got some people on hold, and we'll get to your calls about the Badgers' domination over the Gophers. Uh, Gophers largely over the past twenty years, but Sage football wisdom. When we come back here to Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app, you're always getting 25 straight minutes of Mackie and Judd with Rami whenever you're listening to our show, in part because of sponsors like Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. One of my favorite things to do is go to their website, which they just revamped sometime in the last few days here. It looks pretty, pretty nice, pretty clean. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Go to the pre-owned vehicle section, and you'll find out just some of the great deals you can get on pre-owned Toyotas. Like, for instance, here is a 2007 Toyota Camry four-door sedan with, let's see here, under 100,000 miles, going for just $6,995. You can get into a 2012 RAV4 four-wheel drive, 140,000 miles, which means you can probably drive another fifty or 100,000 on it before you have to get too worried. Just twelve nine ninety five right now on the lot on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. My family and I have trusted... These same people in this same place for 30-plus years. Website, again, is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. And uh, stop in, tell them Phil Mackey sent you. Mackey and Jeb with Rami here from the TCL Studios. Two hours of the Vikings. Just because. Five days a week. It's just too important. Purple Daily, the only five days a week Viking show in Viking land. This is the most thoughtful gift ever. Purple Daily, hosted by Matthew Collar and a cast of football-loving friends. Two hours of the Vikings. Viking football. Five days a week on Score North. Find the podcast on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Just search Purple Daily. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air, the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed. The way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. 
I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.